It's time for building the game, the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, February 13th, and you're listening to episode 559. As always, I am your host, Jason, here today joined by regular co-host, awesome dude, awesome game designer, person I know, lover of the rock, and that is Julio Nasario. Hello. Hey, Jason. How's it going? It feels like you probably should elaborate on the rock thing. Um, I think we did last time you were on. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's. I'm not really a lover. I just thought it was a good idea as something to do. So (laughs) people love him. So he's a person that you don't really find a lot of people that that don't like him. It's hard to not like the rock. He's 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 pretty solid. So that's what I figured. So, yeah. But how are things going? It has been a while. Probably since, we haven't spoken since last year, probably. Yeah, yeah. I was looking back. I think it was uh, 5, like 49 or something like that when you're on. So it's been about 10 weeks. Um, yeah, mm. the holidays. You travel for the holidays, and uh, I did some pre-recording and stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, things have been good. Um, been busy, too busy as usual. Uh, I'm guessing the same for you, probably. Uh, yeah, in, in more ways than one, I guess it has uh, been a lot of travel, not just Puerto Rico, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll just get into it. Um, I, I was thinking about, um, I guess, increasing my, um, learning more about my professional side of what I do, mm-hmm. uh, kind of professional development kind of stuff on, on my day job, which is I'm a civil engineer for, for the Forest Service. Um, and for the last two years, I've been working without uh, a, an engineering technician who retired, and then my supervisor, uh, which is called a roads program manager for the National Forest in North Carolina, uh, she left for another position. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been me uh, and two other engineers on other zones for for the last two years, and it's been a lot of work to keep track, and um, and of course having kids on top of that on a family matter uh but uh about that yeah but i just wanted to kind of like a change of pace so i i had this opportunity uh my old duty station which is in cleveland tennessee um my old supervisor he's moving to doing a different position on that forest and he asked me if i was interested in doing his job for for a couple of months it's called we call it a detail um, so I, I, I thought that was a good opportunity to just, uh, you know, change a pace, reset, and then come back because I enjoyed living in Cleveland, but it's not a place that I really want to go back to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to live permanently. Uh, so I, you know, I traveled to Tennessee last week and then visited some friends in Alabama, of course, all with the whole family. Um, staying at a hotel with, with two kids under two, you know, well, I guess... My eldest is a little over two now. Um, it's a little stressful, but we made it work. It was fun. We had a good time. My wife had a good time. She actually went out and did a lot of fun stuff with the kids, and I missed all of it. So yay for that. I was, you know, in, at work. But uh, I, I will be doing some working mainly from home and, and doing some travel on the side. Uh, but I figured it would be a good change of pace. So 
we'll see we'll see how it goes it's gonna be more work obviously i'm gonna be like a supervisor now having people uh report to me so more responsibilities but you know obviously you get money more money for it right but uh it is something that i engineering on uh, in general i do obviously enjoy it uh but this is more of a program manager side so not as much design side of engineering but you know obviously have been doing a little more design on on other fronts as you know tired guys with kids right tired guys with kids yeah yeah but i i know it's you know it's gonna be uh different not in a sense uh not not better uh, i'm gonna have more energy or stuff or it depends right how to use your time um and you can probably that's probably an episode that we can talk about in the future um just uh you know different stages of life and and mm-hmm. and yeah. all that because obviously you've been through that and we were talking before we recorded about how you got into game design and, and i thought it was a very interesting point of view if you want to share that because i don't know how many yeah, yeah. have listened from I the mean, beginning one of the things i got into game design was you know julio uh astutely pointed out when i said the ages of my kids which are almost 11 and almost nine was that he was like you got into game design when you when you started when you started having kids <laughs> i was like i did uh, and that was uh somewhat correlated in the fact that i had been working on independent films kind of as a as a side hobby um and that is a lot of work especially if you're mm-hmm. producing and directing them um it, it's just a lot to coordinate and a lot of time and and game design was something i could do on my own uh without having to always have to be working with a ton of people and things like that so because of that yeah, that was kind of when I started down the game design path with Rob way back in the day. And um, yeah, yeah. And so it and it's uh, it's stuck with me because I love it. And uh, it's funny now because, you know, I, I design with other people so often. Um, but yeah, it's still it still is, you know, I could design with 10 people and it would still be less than 50 on a set. So I guess that's a hundred. So <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of people. Definitely on a on a smaller scale for sure. Especially when everyone's um, looking to you to say, "Okay, what do we do now?" <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, and at least you know your kids at least can can feed themselves to to a certain extent, right? Sometimes, yeah. Actually, it's nice though. I was working on a game that I'll talk about later uh, during the pitch segment, and uh, to, and today I said to my son Josiah, I was like, "Hey, I need to play test this," and so I started explaining to him, and he was like, "Oh, this is confusing." I'm like, "It's not. It's not. I promise." Let me just quick explain it and we'll start playing. And then we started playing and he ended up winning. And uh, it was actually really good feedback because there was something that I was like, I think I'm going to change this. And he's like, oh, no, dad, don't change that. Just do this one thing like you mentioned you could do. And I was like, oh, OK, well, I'll do that then. Great. So, um, yeah, so that was that was pretty cool, actually. And um, yeah, so I've got some balancing to do on the game, but it, it seems like it's uh, it's fun. It's something I started working on a very long time ago. So but we'll get to that later. Yeah, at least they're still in that stage that they want to play things with you. Oh, but yeah. yeah that yeah. may be changing in the future. I, you know, it'll be interesting to see. With my son, I honestly don't think it will because we have really? so many things in common that aren't going to change, like games, like video games, board games. Um, we're into the same type of stuff, you know, like that the, the type of stuff that will carry through, right? Um I expect with my daughter that I'll have a lot less in common as she gets older, just because be clear, not because she's a girl, uh, but because while she does enjoy video games and board games, um, there's just also a lot of things that she's into. And she's like, I'm going to do this on my own. Right. And I'm like, okay, I respect that. too. Like that's, 
you know, I'm here to support you, but I'm also here to give you the freedom you need to do the things and explore. Um, yeah, yeah. And if you want to, we, we talked about this as well, but it, it's yeah. very interesting. A little, little, you got a little entrepreneur uh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got a button maker. For, thank you for bringing that up. I, I bought a really nice button maker. It's a manual button maker from American Button Machines, but it's like, it's, it's very nice. It's like, it's really good. Uh, makes one and a quarter inch buttons. And uh, yeah, and she was like, I want to sell buttons. So like, so all right, so we're gonna, we're gonna do that. So I, uh, if you're in the discord, I posted a BTG button that I put together that looks pretty mm-hmm. darn good uh, as a test and um, planning on making a few more of those. And uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I at some point, I'm sure in the BTG discord, I will put a link to her Etsy shop that we're going to put up. Um, she needs to design a few more buttons, though um first so that we can and she'll have a special one just for btg buttons right right uh, those that might put on my website not her because <laughs> most people at her etsy shop who aren't you know, like who what is this <laughs> i don't know uh building the game is kind of like a catchphrase of itself you know it doesn't necessarily have to be it is true know, I take off the word podcast and just have it say building the game and no one will right. know be like, right, oh, yeah, right. Don't put your game. face on it. Just uh, you know, the, the blue. No, no, clean. I just use the cool blue background. Yeah, with the good, good, good. And, yeah. Uh, so hey, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so well, not yet, not yet. Not yet. Uh, oh, I do, no, not uh, yet. Look at me getting ahead. Well, um, because you know we're talking. I guess you talked a little about design, even though things have been crazy on my side. Uh, there's been some interesting developments uh, mm-hmm. for sure. So I guess it was maybe a week or uh, four days before I left for Puerto Rico. I got an email from a publisher uh, that they're reaching out to designers for for an, an IP game. And this is kind of like a dream IP kind of thing. Uh, it's a big, big publisher. And I guess somebody that i have pitched to in the past recommended me and and mm-hmm. hey they sent me an email of course this involved an nda and and i was like i'm excited you know this is obviously a, a mm-hmm. again a dream ip but man i'm i don't have time to do anything at all and they're looking of course to do like these these uh, uh vignette pitches where you don't even have a game kind of thing mm-hmm. which is not something that i usually enjoy because uh, right. that's just, you know, giving out an idea. So I just said, you know, they didn't even say the IP because I hadn't signed the ADA. So I just, of course, I signed the ADA just to see so what the IP was. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You did. Why would you not do that? Exactly. And then I, they send like a document with what they're looking for and stuff like that. And, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go to Puerto Rico. I'm not going to be able to do anything. So that's that. Um, fast, and, and then I asked about timeline and stuff like that. And they said they were going to be evaluating what people send at the end of, of January. And I think at the, another one at the end of February. And I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to send anything, but it's good to know. Uh, when I got back from Puerto Rico, I was, you know, working, going out on the field. And usually I'll, I have ideas when I'm out on the field, I'm driving and just kind of mm-hmm. thinking that's usually uh, a good thinking space. Um, and I said, why do I have to design a new game around this IP? I have dozens of developed games that I've worked right. on for months and years. There's likely some of them that I can change the theme and still fit this IP really well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out there were. I I got four games that I changed the theme into that IP, uh, and it really it fits really well and actually makes it so these four games are very different in their own sense, mm-hmm. um, and they all fit within their parameters. And and I changed the cell sheets, changed the names, changed the some of the words, kept the same pictures. I didn't even use their IP for pictures, mm-hmm. I, and I sent them their way. Um, so it took me, you know, between all the work and thinking about everything, maybe an hour. Nice. Nice. And it's worth it. Right. I mean, even if they say no, like, you know, next time they're going to come back to you hopefully and say, Hey, we got this other thing, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So it, it is one of those things that it's, it's, uh, it, when it comes to game design, when you have games designed and you go on to the next one and you have things on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't, don't discount those. There's a reason why you followed up on, on those games and brought them to the point where they are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you sometimes just forget how good they are because you actually haven't played them in mm-hmm. months or years. So, I'm, you know, I'm excited, obviously, especially because I didn't have to do a lot of extra work and it's still a, a pretty cool IP. So we'll see what happens. Well, I'll, I'll keep you all uh, posted. Um, another thing, and this kind of in development kind of thing, but uh, I'm in the process of signing the Micro Olympic Games. Um, nice. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, it's kind of we already talked terms and stuff, but I haven't seen a contract, and it's been over ten days, so I don't. It's kind of starting to feel like I'm being ghosted. I don't know. That I've found when you are work when you other than the initial review period that game that uh, game publishers tend to take, I have found that the longest and hardest to deal with silence is the silence of we think we want this, uh, let let us put a contract together. That is the worst amount of time. Like I'm waiting for one of those right now, and it's been a few weeks, and I knew that it was going to be probably a month or two before we get to that point. And for that one, we're not even signing a full-on contract yet. We're just basically signing like, like some pre-documents that say we're, we're intending to do this together. Um, and uh, but still, like waiting for that is always like, did they change their mind? And it's like, no, they didn't. But like, you feel like, come on, come on, you know. Um, <laughs> like yeah. one of the publishers, Banana, and I have worked with. Um, it was like, hurry up and wait. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, let's do this. And it was like, sign, 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 sign. We need this back now. Like, so that was crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. So again, uh, uh, as a person that I know, uh, so again, I, I, it's, it could go either way, but I'm excited obviously. Cause yeah, it's cool. Um, and you know, there's already conversation about art and how they're thinking it's going to look. So, um, excitement, obviously. Um, cool. And I also have uh, I have a uh, maybe two games coming out this year. So this is all obviously games that I've signed in the past. I haven't mm-hmm. done much in the last year uh, or so. Why well, no? Compared to how I used to work on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, they send me like the rules and the 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 game cover and that's always exciting um so i kind of went through the rules had a couple of suggestions and changes and and they're very receptive on that um and and then there's another one that's going to be on kickstarter sometime this year so 
uh, we'll see how that goes as well. But hey, it's it's always fun to to see how things develop. You never know. That's cool. Yeah, I've got one game coming out this year for sure. Uh, in the next month or so here, I think. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, that's the one with Skybound, uh, which is No Contacts, the Banana Channel I designed. And then um, I've got, uh, I just found out the date, March 28th. Uh, is when you can expect um, Tier Nanog to be mm. on um, to be on uh, GameFound actually. So, and I'll nice. be honest, when I first heard about GameFound, I was like that it was going to be on there. I was just kind of like, I, I don't know, like I don't know how I feel about that. Um, just because, um, like it's different, right? Like it's yeah. not Kickstarter, uh, which is you know the old tried and true when it comes to this stuff and. And Grand Gamers Guild has done a lot with um, Kickstarter. So I was like, oh, okay, that's a thing. Um, but I'll tell you what, um, like they have over 1,600 followers already on GameFound, like waiting for launch. So wow. they clearly know what they're doing. Not that I doubted that, to be 100% clear. I didn't doubt that Mark okay. and company knew what they were doing. Uh, but uh, I did, I was just a little like, you know, oh gosh, this isn't, you know, the same thing. Like, yeah. So, but hey, it's working out. So it's all good. Cool. So exciting stuff is on the pipeline uh, for, you know, both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how things turn out. And in a couple of months, we'll be we'll be talking about the post uh, things happening and, and see where we're at. Yeah, it is true. Tis I mean, that's for me, at least. I mean, you always talk about your things every single. Well, yeah, episode, I mean, so. I have to like I'm here. They people expect me to. So, well, that's why you have guests. They can do all the talking for you. That's it is kind of nice sometimes, you know, when you got talky guests. Just I just kind of hang out and say, oh, mm-hmm, yeah, that's right. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool, OK, dude. so let's let's go on to the topic. Now we're just rambling. We are. So um, let's, uh, let's topic it up. So I wanted to, so again, going on the, the fact that I have not been doing a lot of design in the mm-hmm. last year uh, compared to how I used to design. I used to design, I don't know, one to two games a, a month and, and going to meetings every single week, uh, uh, six, five to six conventions a year. Um, of course, COVID happened and then uh, had two kids. So things have you know slowed down and, and shifted gears. That's something we already talked about in the past. Um, so obviously, I, I miss it. I miss it a lot. Um, I still obviously do it some, but I, I want to get back into doing things at least little by little. Um, and and I wanted to talk about how do we do that, especially, you know, with builders out there, they have their own circumstances of things and they may have stopped designing and, and they're just itching to get back into it. Um, and and to that uh, point, one of the things that I thought about was getting back to my roots, how it all started for me. So that's kind of the topic, uh, you know, getting back into designing and, and back to your to your roots. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that is an interesting topic. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, go, you go for it. You, you kick us off here. (laughs) So, uh, what are my roots, uh, when it comes to game design, designing Um, 40 games in a weekend, (laughs) uh, and making prototypes to take 14 hours each, something like that. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. No, but (laughs) I, I think it was like my first six months, I, 
I had designed a 10, 10 games or so. Um, and I did sign two games before my first year of designing. So that was, you know, super exciting. One of those games came back to me, whatever, but the other one ended up being Holy Festival of Colors. Um, uh, so I was very motivated and, and, and just trying, just thirsty to learn about game design and anything related to it and listening to every podcast, watching every video. Um, and at some point I just kind of went full in. Of course, I didn't have the tools right. that I had now, you know, I was just with a, you know, gadgeting cutter, some scissors and, right, and right. They, you know, my, my bad graphic design skills. Uh, now, of course I have three printers and, and laser cutters and, and now I'm not designing as much. So it's kind of crazy how that works. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, all the tools that I've learned along the way as well. Um, so I, I just wanted to, you know, start essentially simple and, and what did I do and what got me really motivated into doing game design. And one of those things, um, was kind of my, my first design conventions that I went to. And of course for that first year, those were, uh, proto ATL, uh, and, uh, and unpub. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to go to at least one convention this year, you know, start with one, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to do proto ATL because, and, and I, and we've talked about this in the past, but, uh, proto ATL is uh, a convention that's just mainly designer only. Uh, they, you know, any play testers can go as well, but it's not as umpa where you have a table and, and play testers come to your table. You have a slot. Uh, and proto ATL is just designers play testing each other's games over a weekend, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome. Um, at least you know I haven't gone. I think in the last two years, um, of course three. I think since the pandemic. Um, and, but I, I miss it. I miss it. And the reason I hadn't gone is because I was going to the gathering, which was about the same time. And that's obviously uh, a very different convention, more networking focused and, and stuff like that, which is what I was going for at the time. But now, since I'm like, okay, I want to, you know, maybe do more development on my games or, or some new designs, how do I do that? And that's what came to mind. Uh, something that's close to you in this sense, you know, kind of talking to the builders here, uh, proto ATL, you know, Atlanta is, uh, this is like about five hours from me so I can drive there. Um, and, and of course, Baltimore is a little farther away, um, maybe seven hours. So it's still drivable. Um, but those were ones that I was thinking of, of going to now, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of course, uh, things happen. And, and funny enough, my, my wife is a professional wedding photographer and I did not put those dates for those conventions on our calendar. And she mm-hmm. uh, scheduled some weddings for those weekends. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So That's on you, man. That's on you. That is on me. That I have a lot of. <laughs> so it, it is funny. That it turned out that way. So, but hey, things get in the way, but I'm not going to let that, you know, take me down. So I had already planned to go to Tantrum Con. Uh, this year, which, you know, I've gone to the last couple of years. Uh, and this one's, you know, it's Char- Charlotte. So it's two hours. It's in North Carolina. So we have a good turnout from the game designers of North Carolina group. So there is some designer presence where we can play test some games there. Uh, there's a little of everything. It's a small convention. There's some designers. There's obviously some some uh, publishers as well. And <clears throat> people playing games. 
and that's obviously what can get you motivated as well. Let's just yeah. play some games and and do that. So, so I'll be doing that, and that's at the end of this month, actually. Um, and and you know, never know. I may I may open up and, and go to Origins uh, as well, since I'm not going to be going to um, pub or so. Origins is one of my favorites uh, uh, conventions as well. So so that's kind of my plan on that. So that's one thing, you know. Um, now that I'm not doing as many conventions this year, just picking one or two uh, that I want to go to and make sure that plan accordingly uh, and, right. and make it happen. So that's at least one thing there. And, you know, I'm kind of starting with, you know, not many, not much design focus, but that's one thing that came to mind, at least for me. That was my origin. Kind of what really got me excited was meeting all these people, seeing what's out there uh, and what can be done and, and who you can talk to. Like my first pitch to, to was to, with two publishers at the same time, and I pitched four games. That was that was my my introduction there. Um, wow. And it's uh, and it was a uh, fun. Well, of course, you know, small publishers, and I don't think they exist anymore. Um, but but still, it was a good experience and really got me motivated. So, yeah, you know, for me, like thinking about the idea of kind of getting back to my roots and where I started with stuff, like that's really intriguing. And, you know, you had this topic idea, but it really kind of hit me at a time where I'm trying to refocus. And it's something I've talked about on the, you know, the year preview episode and stuff. And so, like, for me, it's been, you know, trying to think about, like, how do I like what I started asking myself the question when you pitched this topic, like what are the things that matter to me? Right. Like, and what, why did, when I started, what was I doing that I enjoyed? And it was exploring some different like weird game ideas and stuff and, and working through ideas and in focusing on like coming up with fun ideas and seeing those through a bit, you know, when they, they obviously most of them never made it anywhere, but like looking back at some of those, like some of them are fun and some of them are interesting and fun to look at and work on. And, and so, like, I just feel like um, looking at that sort of stuff, like, it kind of, the focus for me has has gotten a bit away from that, right? Like, it's about, mm-hmm. like, what am I pitching? What am I working on? Like, how am I doing this and this? And, you know, um, and I love all that stuff. But, like, there is something about, like, coming back and saying, like, let's focus on some games here, figure out mm-hmm. what to do. And like, so for me, it's still been a lot of like trying to get things off my plate, trying to get things finished, get them moving forward so that I can refocus on stuff that I'm excited about because there are co-designers I'm working with where like we just keep getting pulled in every direction and like we're not getting to focus on the stuff that I am excited about as much. Right. I mean, not that I'm not excited about the stuff that we're working on. Right. To be clear, but like it's not the stuff we've been trying to work on. It's the stuff that has landed on our laps and we're excited to do but it's not necessarily what you, what you're trying to focus on that you get that right. Like that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, what, I think what you're trying to say here is our original, and I think it's the same for me. It all started with doing something that I thought it was going to be fun mm-hmm. and it turned out to be fun. Yeah. Uh, and then it turned out that, Hey, maybe there's a business here. And, and right, right. Is, of course the, our, our adult brains got in the in the way of our kid brains. Right, right, right. Like, how do I, how uh, do I turn this into something that's worth my time because I'm making money? Right? Yeah, because that's what yeah, we have yeah. to do. And and obviously, you know, we have families and and we have to pay bills and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know, uh, so that that is usually kind of where our stresses lie sometimes. 
um, and things turn in that direction. When you're doing something that you think is for yourself, how do I make it worth it so it's not doesn't feel like a waste? Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, you know, for those out there that, that are thinking that way, uh, just remember when you're designing a game, one of the first questions you should ask is, "Where's the fun in that game?" Yep. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, in you should be doing the same thing about design. Where's the fun? And and you know, try to focus on on that. You know, at one point or another, trying to refocus on that because that is usually how it all starts for most all of us designers. Um, you know, I I I have never met somebody that said, "Oh, I want to make money doing game design." Uh, and if they do say that, they they get over it pretty fast and they realize <laughs> that you can make money doing game design. But like, if you want to spend as much time as you'll spend working on games doing something to make money. There are plenty of things you could do where you'll make way more money and but probably I, do less work. That's always a secondary thought. It always feels like it's like you're playing a game and you think, I can do this better. I can do this more fun. You know, it's going to be more fun if right, I do it right. like this. And and right. that's kinda how it mostly always starts, right? Um, so, you know, just correlate it with, with your game design. You know, find the fun and, and, and focus on that. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because... Um, for me, it was it was a similar thing of designing games that I had never played before. And of course, when I started, I was in a different mindset because I had not played many games. Mm-hmm. And I always said, you know, it was my double-edged sword because it allowed me to think of things that I thought were unique and, unique, and sometimes there were, sometimes there weren't. But at the same time, uh, it made it so sometimes I, I designed things that other people had already designed and those tried and true or whatever. Uh, so so that was always interesting. And, and one of the things that always happened with my games was people would ask me, have you played this game? And it still happens all the time. Yeah, and me was, too, me no. too. And no, I'm sure I, haven't. I haven't. Or, or, or yes, I game? have. You know, at this point, especially later in my design uh, uh, you know, career or whatever, it's, it's been... It's been interesting because I've let more influences from outside designs uh, kind of bring, you know, come up in, in my own designs, which is, you know, bound to happen. But it is interesting, especially with, uh, you know, one of the obviously best designers out there, Reiner Knizia. He, one of his big things is that he doesn't play any other people's games. Um, and it makes sense because I guess he designed so many games that he doesn't have time to do that, but. Who is um, that? <laughs> I missed I, I, the name. Oh, sorry. Reiner Kinizia. Oh, Kinizia. Okay. That yeah. is based on the context of everything you said. I was like, it's got to be Kinizia. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, so so that is something that uh, I can't really do because there's no way you can take back all the knowledge that you've had over the, you know, over my past five years uh, designing and playing games, especially because I've play test other people's games as well. But there were things that I that I focused on that I haven't been focusing on a lot in the past, which was obviously uh, stuff like using the box and the design. Um, it is funny because in the last five years, I've seen so many games that use the box as part of the design in, in mm-hmm. one way or another. Um, and some may be gimmicky, but some are really interesting and unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, I've signed games that use the box, but I haven't had a, a game come out that still uses the box, right? Right, right, right. 
So now a lot of people are now it's like you didn't invent that, even though it feels like you did, right? Nah, well, I mean, no, but uh, there, there were things like one, one thing that I was going back to is my game, uh, Dice Dice Revolution. Um, and, and that game, you know, obviously is an IP or whatever, and it, it would use a, a, an app for music or stuff like that. Uh, but it, it was, was one that, that really uh, uh, came out when I was thinking about using the box because this one is about rolling dice and using the box to score and stuff like that. And it would be it was like a long box, so it was you know uh, not very wide, maybe five inches wide and like uh, eight to ten inches long. So it was like a, mm-hmm. one of these expansion boxes. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Use, you would use both the the bottom of the box and the top of the box for a two player game mm-hmm. um, to That's to cool. play the game, and and you know so so freaking cool. And I have a design right, for right. it. And maybe it will be great as something else. But little things like that, you know, that are still ha- I haven't seen it yet. And here's, you know, I'm sharing it with with everybody out there. Um, but but there's so much, there's so many other great ideas that haven't been uh, 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 tested or, or played well. Um, so go, chasing that uniqueness is something that I have, you know, I've I still do it, uh, but I haven't done as much as I I did in the past for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, I mean, that is uh, that definitely was kind of one of the hallmarks of how you worked on things in the beginning. And yeah, one of the other things that popped into my head that you said, though, that like is a change in perspective is like so you, you mentioned earlier before we were even, you know, like you were talking about uh, games and stuff happening. And you're like this dream IP from this huge publisher, like landed in my lap is like, hey, pitch this like <laughs> and you were like kind of busy like i'm kind of busy right now like, i don't know if i can do that i'm just a little busy um and imagine the julio of like when you started saying that right like yeah I, and i'm not i'm not being like Duh, you should get back to that i'm actually saying like you're you, and of course you did go back and do it because you figured out you know you you worked smart right you said well i got stuff that i can make work with this let's try that right um, I mean, I've got a game that I'm hopefully going to sign here soon, fingers crossed. And that's the same thing. They said, I need this for this IP. And I said, Hey, I got this game. Uh, and I think it might work out fingers crossed. And, um, <laughs> and like, but that isn't like the idea of like jumping through crazy hoops to get an IP like that. Or like, you know, there were some companies where I was like, spent a lot of time for a while, just like mm-hmm. pitching these ideas at them right because they were like these are the ips we're trying to make games for and i was like here's 20 ideas for all of them it really wasn't it was like here's you you're asking for 10 ips i'm gonna pitch you five of them with ideas and then like none of them go through i had one go through once and then it didn't work out but like um like that was that was a really good experience in how to pitch and how not to pitch but like overall it was a pretty big waste of time like yes and it was me Mm. chasing something that wasn't making games it was me chasing the idea of making the game right and i'll I'll tell you what there is a game that i was asked to pitch for like and they asked a bunch of people right which i'm sure they asked more than just you obviously for this this one yeah yeah, for sure they came back to myself and another co-designer and they said hey like we really like, it was Kelly and I, they said, we really like this. Uh, we've got this IP. We like what you tried to do this thing. It doesn't quite work. 
but like would you would you consider pitching us for this ip and i was like yeah yes yes yeah, we will do that right um <laughs> and so we did we worked really hard we brought it back and they were just like nope done work like and it was just like wow like and kind of said like well could could you use it for something else like if you retheme we're like no we don't really basically we're like no we don't like it like so like okay like um and then through some channels that i saw the game actually come out this is a while back the game came out and uh it was with uh with a designer that i don't know personally but I know what was the game what, what was the game oh i can't i'm not gonna say what the game was ah uh. No, I, I can't say what the game was because what I'm about to say next, which was that, oh, okay. um, which was that the designer was kind of left with this like negative feeling of like, hey, they they developed this game in a way that that kind of took the magic out of it, right? Mm. And like, and like I said, I don't know this designer personally, but like I I I heard through. I mean, we all know everyone who knows everyone, right? So I, I happened to hear about this, and I was like, oh wow, that's uh yeah that's a thing you know and like and and, and that they, brings sorry go ahead finish i was up. just gonna say and so they weren't super stoked about what came out and like and so i actually had to say to myself i was like jason would you have been okay with that coming out in a way that you weren't excited about it because it was a cool ip and it had your name on it and it probably still sold quite a few copies or would you have been bummed that the game you didn't think ended up as good as you as it could have been because you know you didn't do the develop on it personally um like where would i feel about that and and i and i had to think about it longer than i wanted to right because like i feel like the answer should be i should be upset that it, it didn't end up as good as it could have been right but like, there's that party that's like, but it sold a lot of copies and it's a sweet IP and my name's on it. And it's probably in like, you know, big, big box stores and stuff. So, and, and I don't think that should be the goal, right? Like the goal should be to put out stuff that you're proud of and that you're excited about. Um, and, you know, like, I, don't, so, I don't know. Is that, so here's I'm just a, rambling. Here's I'm sorry. the thing. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. It, you bring out a good point because it goes with what I was gonna say, and and we want uh, we want the the uh, builders out there to know that is not always on us. Um, and and let me explain. Um, one of the things that may switch our point of view on these things is because we get to know more about the industry in the time that we spent here, right? In the, that we spent working on it. And what I mean here is that it is a tough industry to work in. Not just breaking into it, but I've been disillusioned more than once in both games that I've almost signed, games that I've signed, games that have come yeah. out and published. Uh, and that kind of stuff just takes the magic out of it, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because, of course, when you're making the games for fun, your family and friends, you know, that's great and all. But then when you start trying to make something out of it and, and get recognized or other people to play your game, uh, that, you know, there's a lot of factors there that, that really makes you think and kind of, you know, we, we've talked about making sure that you, you, you know, harden your heart in a sense, you know, right, right, it, right. 
you know, feedback, uh, taking feedback well and stuff like that. And, you know, it works for that. But then what about finding the fun in what you're doing, right? Right. It makes right. it a little harder for, for that part of things. And, and like I said, it's not y'all's fault. It's not my fault, uh, at least partially, right? Um, because ultimately we make the decisions of, of and we reap the benefits or the negative side of things. Right, right. In, consequences. In, and I think there were a lot of designers too that I've like, I'll say been jealous of. Like, I, I don't, because I, I can't think of a better word for it. Like maybe it's jealousy, but like it's it's not like, it's not like I wish, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Jealousy, I guess, is the closest emotion I can tag to it. Whether or not I, that's actually it. Where you'll see these, some designers who, you know, have like out 50 games, right? Yeah. And, uh, and like, you know of that designer because they have 50 games out. Like, you see a lot of games come out uh, and you, you hear they come out and then you don't hear about them again, right? Um, so we're not talking like evergreen titles, right? And, and it no. reminds me of something that my, I think my daughter asked me this. Maybe it was my wife. I don't know. We were doing like a funny question game where like ask somebody like, would you rather stuff? And they said, and I may have said this on the show before. I may have even said this with you and I apologize if I had, but I'm, I'm going to say it again. The, my daughter asked me, would you rather have one game that was like you, you designed one game and it was the most popular game anyone ever played? Or would you rather design 50 games that you liked, but they weren't as popular? And I was like, hands down, 50 games, like done. Like, no, like there's no, because like, I don't want to be Klaus Tuber and design a hundred versions of Settlers of Catan. There's nothing wrong with that. Like if that brings him joy, right? Awesome. You know? Um, but like that doesn't, that doesn't excite me. What excites me is making a lot of stuff, you know, hopefully making a lot of good stuff, right? I want to make good yeah. stuff, but like good and popular are two very different things. Right. And I'm not dogging on Settlers of Catan. It's the game that got me playing games and, and one of the games that helped me start designing games. But, but it's not, it's not, it's not as good as its popularity is right. Like I feel like <laughs> I think it's a really good game, but I don't think it's as good as its popularity lives up to. Um, and that's yeah. because, because I've played so many games, right. As well, so many it, it also depends on the time that came, game came out, right. Just compare it to then. And then the right, popularity right. is gained yeah. because of it. And now it's, it's, it's at that point where it's iconic, right? Yeah. Right. Right. So there's obviously a, hundreds of better games but mm -hmm. not as as reachable as that one is right i mean shoots and ladders sells a crap ton of games still it yeah. is not a good game it's not even an okay game it's a bad game like on its own it's just a bad game um yeah. i think not as bad as Candyland. Candyland is the worst game in my opinion <laughs> it's the worst game ever made it's unbalanced yeah. it's unfun and it's it's stupid well, confession time. I have not played Shoes and Ladders. I haven't played uh, Candyland. Good for um, you. If you ever want to be really mad, uh, get Candyland and play it with your kids. And you'll be like, this game is awful. And you know who else is going to think it's awful? Your kids. Not because they're going to think the game is awful, but because the game is just going to wildly upset one of them in every single <laughs> game because it's so unbalanced. So ignorance is not a double-edged sword in this case. It's just a, <laughs> it's an not. axe. A no. single-bladed axe. But so, awesome. like, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, like, what I think about, like, where I started, it wasn't about like selling a bajillion games, right? It was no. about like no. getting stuff made, 
like getting games made. And for the first several years, that was my goal. Like I want to get more games out there. And I, and, and I've come back to that, right? Like saying like, Mm -hmm. and I, there was a time there was that brief like year or two where all I focused on, like I said, was pitching games to publishers who were like looking for IP stuff and just spent all my time doing that and did very little other work. And, uh, and it wasn't fun and it wasn't rewarding. I told myself it was, but it wasn't. Yeah. And, and, and going back to, to that contact of, you know, somebody reaching out to design for an IP that I didn't know about. And when I did, I was excited, but I had already been burned in a sense. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, I had worked with other companies that had IPs tied to it and I spent so much time on these games and to know nothing. And we already talked about, you know, uh, an episode in the past about what to do with those games and all. So there's hope for them yet, but it doesn't it doesn't get away from the fact that there's there's a lot of your time and sweat and tears that goes into these designs uh, that may never see the light of day, and that can be with any non-IP as well. But when somebody puts that little carrot on a stick, um, that there's hope, you know, that little hope, that hope that hope that kills you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, it, it, so that's kind of what I'm saying that, you know, on the origin side of things, when we didn't have any connections, we didn't know anybody, we hadn't pitched to any publishers, we didn't mm-hmm. know any publishers. It, it seemed like, you know, it's a game, it's a games industry, everything's peachy and, 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 and fun. And, and that's honestly not the case. Um, I have had very frustrating interactions with, with a lot of people. Um, and things that you learn from, that's always something that I strive for, but I always like to learn from other people's bad experiences, not having them myself. Um, <laughs> Isn't that how we all like to learn, Julio? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So when, when that thing happens, obviously you, you learn it by heart. Um, right. And going back to, you know, it hardens your heart and then your, you know, your focus shifts. Right. Um. So, you know, that's, that's, let's go back to, you know, what, what other things can, can designers out there do to, to get back into things? What, what other routes can we, can we talk about uh, when it comes to game design? Yeah. I mean, I keep coming back to like the idea of like, you said, where's the fun, but like, you know, I mean, I, I think that even beyond that, you have to ask yourself, like, what is, what is the, why do I like creating games? Right. Because it's different for everyone. I feel like, you know, some of us like to tell stories. Some of us just like the joy of creation, right? Some of us want people to have cool experiences. Um, you know, and I think that trying to understand for you what that is and what your favorite thing is, you know, uh, I think yeah. I think it's somebody like Roscoe, right? Good old Roscoe, Roscoe. Hey, Roscoe. Like Solid Roscoe. Ro- Roscoe's great. I, I love Roscoe. Roscoe's one of my favorite people. And one of the things that I love about Roscoe is that he designs so many games that he 100% knows will not see the light of day, right? And that's not because Roscoe doesn't design good stuff. Roscoe designs really cool stuff, but he designs mm-hmm. a lot of it. And a lot of times what Roscoe will say is like on our meetups, like I just had to get this out of my head. I had to get out of my head. Mm -hmm. So like, he's always working through these ideas 
Um, and that brings him joy, even if even if those ideas don't ever make it anywhere, right? You know, and I contrast that to like when I started and I was like, every game idea I design has to do something, right? Which is yeah. stupid. It's super dumb. But like, he's like mastered this idea of like, I'm going to perfect my craft by practicing, right? And that's really what he's doing is he's constantly practicing games and designing them even for ones where he's just doing them because he wanted to, right? Like he gave me this cool little game he designed that I've, I've tried a few times with my kid and it's really fun. And he just gave it to me at, it was like a, I think it's an 18 card game. He gave it to me at a uh, PAX and was like, Hey, check this out. I made this. I think you'll think it's cool. And I did think it was cool. Uh, and I enjoyed playing it with my kid. And um, yeah. So like, and he just did that because he had a cool idea and he wanted to put it out there. And so like, that's one of the things that's core to him for making games, right? Um, yeah, and and you you definitely have something there because you know you compared it with your own way of doing things. I don't think it's it's dumb because everybody has their own different core. You exactly, said, right? you're right, absolutely right. Yes, I and and my origins, I really enjoy the crafting part of it, right? right? Right, right. That's why I was gravitating so much to using the box and stuff like the that. The part that most of us don't like, you're like, I like making this stuff. Which is yeah, awesome. just just the problem solving part of things. My my engineer brain kind of like, how do I do this? And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 it was it's, it's just, it was just really fun. It's, and I know it still it still is. But you know now I'm just trying to have a fun game with you know with simple components and stuff like that. And that's you know obviously so everybody does it that way. And and I just don't want to maybe go through that extra uh, steps of of right. coming out with with these solutions for these complex problems that may not even have solutions for um but i remember that being really fun and getting back home and taking boxes from you know whatever somebody had shipped to my house and an exacto knife and 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 starting from there and and ruler and stuff so Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. there's so many games that i designed that i still think they're super cool again one other and and i like talking about games that i know i haven't played in so long because it there was something there i had a game and and you may have played this and i may have pitched it i don't remember uh i think i probably did it was called mace tower um i I remember that one yeah so this one was a dice tower that worked in both ways so it was a tower so a rectangular tower that you would place dice on the top and they would fall on the bottom through a little mechanism that I designed. And then you close some flaps and you flipped it and they worked as a dice tower from, from the other side as well. But the reason why I was you were able to flip it like that is because the faces of that tower were mazes and everybody was working on their own little maze and each face of the maze had one of your little pegs on it. But as people flipped it and rotated it, that face that was facing you would change. And of course, the direction of the maze would change as well as it was flipped and rotated and all that. Right, right. So that's, you know, something super cool. Uh, It may be a little too abstract and complicated to manufacture, but I think there's still something there. You know, even just the maybe the the tower aspect or the cube aspect of of changing the direction of of mazes based on rotation Mm -hmm. and flipping of of this component uh that's another idea that man so there's something in there um i just haven't figured it out yet and maybe it may be worth revisiting 
Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a great point. You know, going back to the games that, you know, like, hey, you like crafting, you like making cool stuff, like try and figure it out. Right. And, and I think along those same lines, I've went back and forth in this so many times with like advice, but like, you know, the idea of like, don't consider what a publisher is going to do to make the game that you're designing. Right. Yeah. And I started with that. And then I was like, no, really consider that because it really will save you from wasting time. But I, the more and more I fall back to don't consider that. Like when I was talking to, to show you how little that matters. Sometimes I was talking to this one publisher and I was like, well, he's like, you know, you have these game, these cards double-sided. Why'd you do that? And I said, Oh, because like you literally need half the cards in the deck then. And like, it still functions the same. And he was like, Oh, so you're just trying to save cards. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, I don't care about that. He's like, they're cards. They're the cheapest thing I can possibly print. And uh, this, and he like spewed off some math. And I was like, Oh, like you legit don't care. Wow. <laughs> Glad I wasted like two years on this game being concerned about card count. Right. Um, also something really validating on that. He was like, so you made them double-sided like just to save card count. And I was like, well, yes, but also like, cause he goes, why didn't you just do this other way? And I was like, Oh, because people had this problem with it. And he was like, why? He's like, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, I think that's a great idea. He's like, are you okay with us trying it that way? And I was like, yeah, like that was my intention. But then like, and I thought back and I was like, that was like one play tester. I think that said, Oh, this is not good this way. You should really do it this way. So it's faster setup. Like, and that I've heard people like, mm-hmm. I think Matt Riddle say like, listen, setup is setup. That's not part of the game. If setup takes an hour, it's not part of the game. That's not your problem. <laughs> I was like, okay, I think that's a little extreme. Still, but, yeah, it's a little yeah. extreme. Something still definitely but, to consider. But point taken, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, but, yeah but, so, going back think, to the whole uh, learning from other people's experiences, I always thought if a lot of people say the same thing, then it must be true. Right. Uh, so it must be, you know, the same for, for feedback. And so it's the same thing. Right, right. But you have to really think about that. I think in the beginning, like I, like we could do a whole episode on feedback. We've done whole episodes on feedback. But like one of the things that really always stuck with me was like when for people first gave me feedback, especially if they were like published designers, I was like, oh, gosh, I, sh- I have to take their advice. Like, mm-hmm. then I was like, no, like they don't necessarily know. Like it doesn't, they could be the best game designer in the world. They don't know your game and like you should consider why they're giving you the feedback they're giving you. Right. Like, and as somebody pointed out, they're right. They're not wrong. Everyone who gives you feedback is correct from their point of view about what they would like the game to do. It's just whether or not you want the game to do that. And if that serves the game, you know, that's a whole side conversation. But I, I do think that there is something to think about along the lines of like, Am I just designing what what is interesting to me? Because you said with the maze tower, like it might be too hard to, to produce, but you know, but who cares? We've been wrong about that before. Yeah, you know? right, I mean, right. so, I mean, it's <laughs> worth like just trying it. And I look at it this way. If you bring a game to, we brought a game to a publisher and said, here's the game. And they said, listen, here's the problem with this game. This is a great game. Love it. Uh, if I have to produce this game and sell this game, uh, the way it is, I can't sell it to the people who will buy it, who want to play this game for the cost that I have to charge them. It's not a heavy enough game for the people who would pay this amount of money for the game. So they're like, but we believe in this game. So we want to explore other options to get to make this game a reality. Like, let's talk about how we do that. Um, and that just proves <laughs> that if a publisher likes a game enough, 
Yeah. And they're capable. They will attempt to find a way to make it work. Um, and almost, I feel like making it a higher bar for entry isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Because if a publisher is just like, meh about the idea, but maybe they're looking for a game like this. Oh, I really want this type of game. So I think I'll sign it and try and figure it out. Like, you don't want that. Like, because I've had that. And those are the publishers that give your game back and it doesn't work out, right? You want the yeah. publisher that's like, I'm going to jump through hoops to figure this out with you. That's that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and I, I think to tie it off with a nice bow, again, just think about what your core, your focus was back when you started designing. Has it changed? Because again, we've all changed in the time since we started designing and what our, our, our priorities are right now are not for me are not what they were five years ago. Um, so think about how those have changed and how they affect your, your focus for game design. And, but again, I think focusing on, on the fun uh, of it, if it's still fun for you, then maybe it's still worth exploring and, and getting back to it either for an existing design that you may have been working for a long time or, or for something completely new. Um, yeah, so something to think about and something I'll be thinking about as well because, again, I'll be, I'll be seeing uh, if I can go to Origins this year. Again, and unlikely, but... I'm not going to think that way. That's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, and I, I think that just the last thing I want to say about it is look back at where you started, see how that differs, but then, I mean, do a real gut check to say like, I mean, you may have had some really bad theories when you started, you may have started to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to be famous and do this and this and like, and ask yourself, like, is that goal still valid? Right. And if that is, if that goal is still valid, great. But like, don't be afraid to question it. Right. I know there are things that I thought were goals back then that aren't goals anymore. Um, but I think the core of it really is. So, yeah. So, so speaking of old things come back, uh -oh. um, I'm actually going to pitch a game tonight and, uh, yeah. And so I, um, I am looking at a micro game that I designed a long time ago. Not again, not a micro game, but a small game. It's 36 cards only. Um, and I've been considering doing something with it. And so I've been looking at it um, and with a possible opportunity. And so I, I pulled it back out. And um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about it. So I wanted it to be like kind of like a um, for being like a micro card game. I wanted it to be like weird theme heavy, like an alternate history theme heavy, but like not in the way you think of. Like it's called right now the working title. And this is too long, I'm sure, is the Great Lumberjack War of 1897. Um because I wanted to make a game of 36 cards about lumberjacks that was about a fictitious lumberjack war between two camps of lumberjacks uh, <laughs> fighting over um, fighting over like a, uh, um, I don't know, some trees or something. Right. Like and like, you know, make like the artwork and everything feel like it's this real thing. But essentially, it's a hack of war. Like, that's the idea. Right. Like, that's why it's called okay. war, because it's. Um, I wanted to create something like this was like thinking about kids and stuff, but like also with like, you know, this was kind of in my phase where I was like, I want to design something a kid could play, but that adults will think is fun and, and strategic. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so this game, the, the, it's like I said, there's 36 cards. Each player has 18 cards. Um, and those cards are made up of 
um, four sets of cards. You've got um, 12 cards that are made up of four axes, four logs, and four saws, right? So, um, and those are labeled one, two, three, four, each of them, four being the highest and the best, one being the lowest and the worst. Um, for the purpose of tiebreakers, you've got log will always be, uh, log beats axe, um, saw beats log, um, because I figured like you saw down a tree with a law, with a, with a saw, right. An axe usually for like lumberjacks, just use an axe to like make holes in the tree to make it fall a certain way. Right. Okay. Uh, but then axe of course beats saw because in a fight between an axe and a saw, I've got my money on the axe. So, um, so that's kind of how that works. So if you have like <laughs> of war style, if you have matching cards of the same number, but with different, uh, different suits, that's how that works. And then you have six lumberjack cards each. So as I mentioned, the, the cards with the tools on them are, are one, two, three, four, and there's three sets of those. The lumberjack cards are five through 10. Um, and since this is played like standard war style where you're flipping a card um, and then you're comparing the numbers, higher number generally wins. Uh, and then you've got the tiebreakers. And unlike traditional war, if two cards come up and they are the exact same number, uh, it doesn't, if they're the same number and suit, uh, then both cards are trashed, right? Does that make sense? So like both okay. cards lose. Um, question, question. Yeah. So you said there's there's uh, six lumberjacks of each suit, of the three no. suits? Yeah, there's so there's six lumberjacks for each player, and those okay. lumberjacks are the same. They are numbered. Yeah, they don't, they don't have. Okay. Um, okay. And each lumberjack, unlike the vanilla cards, like we talked about last week, um, <laughs> unlike the vanilla cards, which are the number cards, the um, these lumberjack cards each actually have a special ability that allows you to break the rules slightly in a different way. Based on their um, number, I would guess. What'd you say? Based on their number. Yeah, yes, correct. Yes, based on the number. And everyone has the exact same set of cards. So the way the game starts out is you take um, your axes, you put them in a pile, uh, a little deck of four cards, your logs and your saws. You put those all in three separate piles. Then you randomly deal two lumberjack cards on the top of each one of those stacks, okay? So now each stack has six cards. So you have six little tiny decks here. Or sorry, three little tiny decks, six cards each. Uh, you look at those decks. You don't have to, you don't show your opponent, but you look at them. And then you shuffle each deck individually, which will have all of one tool and two lumberjacks. So you know what's in them. You put them face down, you know, right next to each other. So you've got three decks right in front of you. And then, and then you essentially play uh, a modified game of war, right? So the, um, the opponent will flip a card on the first turn. Somebody flips a card from one of their decks, lays it out. You see what that card is, and then you flip the card off the top of one of your decks after knowing what they what they played, right? Um, then you do the standard matchup. Okay, um, I have a four axe, and you have a three saw, or you even have a three log. It doesn't matter. My number's higher. I beat you, right? So you trash hey, your question. question. Yes, go ahead. So... Is this a two-player game or a three-player game? Sorry, two-player only. Yes, yes. Okay, so when I um, when I flip the card up um, and I beat your card, your card is thrown away out of the game, uh, and my card goes to a discard pile directly behind the deck it came from. Does that make sense? Okay. So now I have three piles, and one of them has discard behind it. But as you play, whenever you reveal a card it then will go back. Oh, and if you win, 
then the then you have to reveal first. If you win a round, you then reveal first okay. because that's the advantage to the person who's revealing second. Because if they can remember what cards they have, and so slowly, what happens over the course of the game Top is of the decks, right? The three decks. Yep. Now yep. Every, each player has their own three little decks. Yes. Yep. And they all so, have. The, they start with the exact same cards. Okay, so again, you say it's thirty-six cards. So Correct. there's there's actually two sets of of the twelve uh, lumber axe. I'm and sorry. Sauce. Yeah. I, I mentioned that right at the beginning that each player has those decks and then each player has six lumberjack cards, the same six lumberjack okay. cards. That's where 36. Um, okay. So, so that's what makes up their 18 cards. Um, so here's where it gets. So that's just kind of like plain vanilla play. Here's where it gets a little more interesting. So um, for one, you can't, when you've emptied a deck um, into your, to where you just have, there's no deck in the middle. Say your middle deck is gone. It's all in the discard pile. And some of it's been trashed you can't shuffle that deck back in until you've emptied at least one more deck, right? You have mm -hmm. to have two decks emptied before you can reshuffle those. Um, and it kind of forces it so you can't just continue playing the same deck. And where that starts to matter is, as cards start to whittle down, you can end up with a one-card deck, and you know what that card is. And so when your opponent plays first, you're able to say, do I want to beat it with this card or would this card lose, right? Um you look confused. Does that make sense? No, no, it does. It does. So the special cards, so where those come in is, so uh, I'm just going to mention some of the abilities. So like, um, like for instance, the 10, the 10 is the best card in the game, right? Um, number wise. Yeah. Number wise. But the ability of the 10 is, is that Sucks. it's going to lose um, to right now. It loses to ones and twos, but I may actually expand it to where it loses to, one twos threes and fours so like if to any card that's not to any other yeah, yeah, yeah it loses to any tool right um <laughs> and then like some of them are like the nine if the nine loses you get to make your opponent trash some cards but then the nine's gone um you know so uh the five the five is great the five if it loses it just gets moved to the discard of a different deck so the five yeah. never goes away um but if the five is your last card then you lose the game, right? And the game ends when one person is completely out of cards, um, which should always happen because yeah. uh, if two lumberjacks match the same, or if I they play trash. a four axe and you play a four axe, they're both they're both trashed, right? Yeah. Um, so it's meant to be a, a fun little strategic game that you can play in about ten to fifteen minutes. Uh, I played it with my son today. It was we had a lot of fun. I want it to be a little more developed, um, but I'm super happy with, with how it plays and the thinkiness that it causes because you can start to also remember like, okay, his 10 is in this deck. And if I can get it to where I know he's going to have to flip that 10, I want to try and remember where my number cards are so that I can beat that 10, right? Mm -hmm. um, so... Yeah, so I, I'm I'm excited about developing it a little bit to see if it's if it's worth doing something with. I mean, it, it, I, I like it. it. Sounds interesting. A uh, couple, of course, this is just feedback based on that explanation. Great, great. I'll uh, take looking it. at anything. Um, I guess you know, always the the um, <clears throat> memory kind of thing. You know, it's obviously 18 cards, and and you only get to look at these decks. Once at the start of the game, and that's it. 
Well, but remember that you're also, as you play the cards, right. you're them, and then when the cards are in your discard, you know what, you see what's in your discard, basically, okay. right? You can so look like, through it. Yeah, you can look through your, you can't look through the deck, but you can look through your discard. Mm-hmm. And you can also look at what's trashed off to the side, right? Um, so, you know, like you can start mm-hmm. to try and remember like, okay, I'm pretty sure they don't have any number cards left in their axe pile. So I'm going to feel safe playing my 10 there, right? Um, and again, it's, it's very much meant to be something along the lines of like, like, let's just play this again, right? Like Brave Rats or something like that, where it's like a little war game where like, boom, you're done. Let's play it again. And and I thought like how ridiculously fun to have it look like, like this was a true story, right? That's just like <laughs> a little tiny game that's like war, but to make it like thematically feel like it's some serious thing, um, you know, yeah. kind of make it like a pastiche of that. Um that's sure. that's my other piece of feedback. Uh, you know, I again until I play it and see it, I I can say more. But the 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 theme doesn't really. I, right, right. It's okay, um, I guess. No, no. I would I honestly mean, just want to see. Would would like just to see. Uh, uh, you know, planes, ships, and 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 tanks or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it does I, make sense that you have the tools and the people. Yeah, you can't really yeah. do that that way. But yeah. so so that's the only. But there could you know. Again, I it's worth trying out. Again, I haven't played or anything, but it sounds it does sound interesting. Again, that and and it is the whole one v one thing is obviously something that I've kind of done a lot this last year. I guess mm-hmm. one thing I didn't mention is that I did design two Micro Olympic games in the last two months. Mm-hmm. So I added uh, weightlifting and track and field to the whole thing, nice. um, and and it's something that I really enjoyed that whole. 1v1, let's see who is more tactical, who's more strategic, or whatever the game entails. Uh, and this one has a little, a little, a couple things, so that's cool. Right, right. And I, yeah, I mean, I like those games where it's like, it's this little game, like, oh, I lost, or oh, I won, like, let's play it again, right? Yeah. You know, like, this is certainly a game where I would expect most people are going to play best two out of three or something like that, you know? Um, and, yeah. uh, yeah, and so originally this game was was seventy two cards. I think it was or something like that. The decks were bigger, or um, and I was like, you know what? It kind of overstayed its welcome, and I guess kind of put it away because there was some. I don't I don't even remember how, but somehow you could get a stalemate. Um, and Len back in the day, Lenier Wexford actually helped me work on it uh, at Gen Con, and uh, and he was like, oh, I love this game, but like you know, we kept we could edit a stalemate. And I don't know how that was possible because I must have I must have added the rule if two cards are exactly the same, then you trash them both uh, and then stop working on it because you can't end in a stalemate anymore. It's literally not possible. So, yeah. So anyways. Um, yeah, I mean, 36 is obviously a, a weird number when it comes to, to card games, right? Um, it's, it's not a micro game, it's, but it's not really a deck of cards. Right. Uh, but hey, whatever. I, I know that something may come out of it, but I know that when you're printing cars, you know, they're kind of always in stacks of 18. So, right. Uh, well, and it would be easy for the... this. Like, this could be a Game Crafter 36 card hook box game, rules around right. the hook box. And then you've got the, um, you've got the 36 cards. Um, 
you know, it, it, you wouldn't make much money doing it that way, but like you, you could certainly print it and get it out there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, obviously I know like it would be ideal to have it be like 18 cards and try and sell it to button shy. But the problem with that is like three, nine card decks are not, I mean, three, three card decks are not going to do it. Right. Like it's just not going to work that way. Um, yeah. Well, well, hmm. <laughs> well, so yeah. So anyway, sounds, sounds fun. I, 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 if, if we see each other this year, I want to play. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll definitely, it'll be a game I'll bring with me because it takes up very little bag space. So cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, I think we had a good conversation and, yeah, and that's a, a that's a fun pitch. So a classic episode for all the builders out there. Yes. Yes, that's right. So, well, Hey listeners, I hope you enjoyed our, uh, our topic and everything, our discussion here. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can, of course, go to buildinggamepodcast.com. There you can find a link to our Discord. You can email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg, at jslingerland, at hootnasaru. Uh, but also, you can keep coming back every single week. But until next time, good night. Buenas noches. Building the game, building the game, with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game, with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.